0: Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Byte at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Byte at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be learning about politics, the day after tomorrow of Robert Louis Stevenson. During his college years, Stevenson briefly identified himself as a red-hot socialist but already by age 26, he was writing of looking back on his time with something like regret. Now, I know that in thus turning conservative with years, I'm going through the normal cycle of change and traveling in the common orbit of men's opinions. His cousin and biographer, Sir Graham Balfour, claimed that Stevenson probably throughout life would, if compelled to vote, have always supported the conservative candidate. In 1866, then-15-year-old Stevenson did vote for Benjamin Disraeli, the Tory Democrat and future conservative prime minister of the United Kingdom, for the Lord Rectorship of the University of Edinburgh. But this was against a markedly illiberal challenger, the historian Thomas Carlyle. Carlyle was notorious for his anti-democratic and pro-slavery views. In The Day After Tomorrow, appearing in the Contemporary Review, April 1887, Stevenson suggested we are all becoming socialists without knowing it. Legislation grows authoritative, grows philanthropical, bristles with new duties and new penalties, and casts a spawn of inspectors who now begin, notebook in hand, to darken the face of England. He's referring to the steady growth in social legislation in Britain since the first of the conservative-sponsored factory acts, which in 1833 established a professional factory inspectorate, Stevenson cautioned that this new wagon load of laws points to a future in which our grandchildren might taste the pleasures of existence in something far liker an antique than any previous human polity. Yet in reproducing the essay his latter-day libertarian admirers omit his express understanding for the abandonment of Whiggish classical liberal notions of laissez-faire, liberty, Stevenson wrote has served us a long while, but like all other virtues, she has taken wages. Liberty has dutifully served mammon, so that many things we were accustomed to admire as the benefits of freedom and common to all were truly benefits of wealth and took their value from our neighbor's poverty. Freedom to be desirable involves kindness, wisdom, and all the virtues of the free. But the free man as we have seen him in action has been, as of yore, only the master of many helots, and the slaves are still ill-fed, ill-clad, ill-taught, ill-housed, insolently entreated and driven to their mines and workshops by the lash of famine. In January 1888, aged 37, in response to American press coverage of the land war in Ireland, Stevenson penned a political essay, rejected by Scribner's magazine, and never published in his lifetime, that advanced a broadly conservative theme the necessity of staying internal violence by rigid law. Notwithstanding his title, confessions of a unionist, Stevenson defends neither the union with Britain. She had majestically demonstrated her incapacity to rule Ireland, nor landlordism, scarcely more defensible in Ireland than as he had witnessed it in the goldfields of California. Rather, he protests the readiness to pass lightly over crimes, unmanly murders, and the harshest extremes of boycotting, where these are deemed political. This, he argues, is to defeat law, which is ever a compromise, and to invite anarchy. It is the sentimentalist preparing the pathway for the brute. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today, while we answer some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Brie Carlyle, and I hope you come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.